Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So I should probably start by admitting that I've always found today's gospel disturbing, and if I'm being honest, a little puzzling. For one, in terms of Mark's narrative, it feels like a tangent, but then you've got the story itself, which is really disturbing. And every time I read this passage, my gut instinct is to read it very reactively and to see it in black and white terms as a struggle between good and evil, right and wrong, where the line between those things is clear and well delineated. I mean, right, isn't that the temptation to say we're either a prophet like John, willing to die for the truth, or we are Herod? the evil villain who was willing to kill John to protect his power. You're either a good guy or you're a bad guy, right or wrong. It's your choice, and so what's it going to be? Now, I'm not saying there's not a little bit of truth in that perspective, but it is simplistic. And more importantly, when internalized, it can lead to a very polarized and tribalistic way of viewing the world. And so for today's sermon, I'm going to invite us to take a different approach, and more specifically to see today's gospel as a mirror that reflects our life back to us, not in John the Baptist, but in Herod. Now, I know that's a bit shocking for me to say because, well, he is a murderer. But if we are willing to look beneath the surface, we'll find that Mark betrays Herod not so much as a villain, but as a very frail human being, a man caught in a web of conflicting desires and values. Because on the one hand, Herod knows the right thing to do, and he clearly desires to do it. I mean, right, Mark says that he is deeply grieved at John the Baptist's death. And so Herod wants to do the right thing. But Herod also wants to save face at the party. And that second desire, which got the best of Herod, it can get the best of us as well. And so a war is clearly raging in Herod's soul, and he finds himself caught In a web of personal and social dilemmas, he's at odds with John the Baptist over his brother's wife, and he's at odds with his brother's wife over John the Baptist. He arrests John on the one hand, but he also knows that John is a prophet on the other hand. In other words, Herod feels caught, pushed, pulled, tossed like a wave in a sea of competing values and desires, a war is raging in Herod's soul, and clearly it is a war that Herod loses. 
Now, I can't speak to your experience of life, but I'm not sure a day goes by when I don't feel like I'm caught in some kind of web. Because at the end of the day, life is messy. And our faith isn't lived out in some clear-cut, black-white, tangle-free existence, but rather amidst a sea of competing values and complex situations and desires. And that's why we all know what it's like to feel caught and to feel torn. For example, I want to tithe 10% of my income to the church And I firmly believe that is the right thing to do. But I also want to make sure I put away money so that I can pay for our girls to go to college. Or another example, I want to always speak my truth, no matter what. But I also want to be well-liked, and I value harmonious relationships, and those two things don't always go together. And so whenever it comes to life, the question is not, are we caught in a web? The question is not, is there some war raging within our soul? No, the question is always, do we see the forces that we are all up against? And do we have compassion for ourselves and for other people in the midst of that experience? fully confident that God alone will be the one to sort it all out in the fullness of time. You see, the problem with reading this passage in a black and white sort of way is that such a reading is based on a very dangerous lie, which is that the world is made up of good guys and bad guys, that there are sinners and there are saints. And at the end of the day, it is we who have to make the choice which of the two camps we're going to fall in. But the problem with the simplistic interpretation of life is that it does violence to the very heart of the Christian gospel itself, which affirms that it is not we who choose God, but that God is the one who has chosen us. Not we who clean ourselves up, but God in Christ who enters our mess, and that each one of us, without exception, isn't a hero or a villain, a sinner or a saint, but a sinner and a saint, saved only by the mercy and grace of God. And so I wonder what personal, social, and spiritual webs you're tangled up in these days. You know, maybe it's a moral entanglement, a place in your life where you legitimately don't know the right thing to do. Or maybe you're right there with Herod, and you know the right thing to do, but find that you are powerless or scared to do it. What good news is there in today's gospel for you? Well, what I love about today's reading from Mark is that it subtly reminds us to see our story as part of a much larger gospel story. You see, today's gospel lesson is placed dab smack in the middle of the book of Mark. There are six chapters about Jesus before this incident and about nine chapters or so about Jesus after this incident. 
And so if you were to read Mark's gospel from beginning to end, this little vignette about Herod would seem like a tangent only because Mark is not telling a story about Herod or even a story about John the Baptist. No, Mark is telling a story about the good news of Jesus Christ. In other words, Mark sandwiches Herod's failings between the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and Herod's story is merely a part of a much larger gospel narrative. And what I would have us understand is that the same is always true about us. You see, each one of us has a unique story. We have moments of moral success and moral failure, moments of deep joy and heartbreak, not to mention a unique set of webs we're all trying to navigate the very best we can. Our life is a story within a story, and that larger story we're all a part of, that story we reconnect with every time we worship or pray or rededicate our life to God, that story, which we call the gospel, has God setting everything right in the fullness of time, because it is a story of good news that reminds us that it's okay for us to lose every now and again, because the God we proclaim always, and I mean always, wins. And so with that being said, let me end by saying this. As Christians, we believe that there was only one person in human history who, when confronted with the right thing and the convenient thing, always chose the right thing. You and I sometimes do the right thing, or maybe we frequently do the right thing, but Jesus always did the right thing. And if you read about his life carefully, you'll see that just about everything he did was unpopular to any person with an ounce of power or status. Now, I do believe that God wants us to increase our capacity to be more like Jesus and less like Herod. Of course, I believe that, that God wants us to choose truth over comfort and to choose integrity over passivity, to choose the common good over selfish gain. Of course, God wants us to make those choices. And I'll even say that part of my job here at St. Michael's is to help us grow in that very specific way, to become a more whole and wholehearted and courageous person. But I'll also say that that's not my main job as the rector of this church or a priest in God's church. It's not even 10% of my job. You know, because here's the thing. I don't get up on Sunday morning and come to church to lead a pep rally, whereby we're all encouraged to live more virtuous lives. No, the reason I love being a priest is that I get to proclaim forgiveness to people who try as they might can't always choose the good they so badly want to choose, myself being one of them. And so maybe you've had a moment or two recently where, metaphorically speaking, you murdered John the Baptist to save face at the party. 
a moment where you chose comfort over integrity, or a moment where it felt like no matter what choice you made, things were going to turn out badly. So here's the wisdom I would offer us this morning. Take heart. It happens. Because the life of faith is not a clear-cut, black-white, tangle-free existence of increasing clarity whereby we move from success to success to success. No, the life of faith is a clinging to Jesus in the midst of our failure and in the midst of our uncertainty. Because at the end of the day, it is not we who choose God, but God who has chosen us. Not we who clean ourselves up, but God who has entered into our mess. Because each one of us, without exception, is not a hero or a villain, a sinner or a saint. No, we're a sinner and a saint saved only by the mercy and grace of God. And our job, before we do anything else, is to receive the mercy and love and grace that God offers and to extend that same grace to others. Because at the end of the day, grace alone, which God gives us in abundance even when we're bad, grace alone is what has the power to make us good. Amen.